Titiano, maybe you will tell us why we is that is that a candle? Yes, I'm keeping the demons away. Okay, right. <laughs> One of those Russian demons. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the, I think it's a very much needed witchcraft. Mm -hmm. um, so, so can you explain us, uh, please, why we're here today? Um, so I thought um, in the last kind of couple of weeks that our kind of not just our energies, but our attention spans are kind of, you know, very low. And I think I sensed that everybody kind of everybody who is Ukrainian or who has a connection to Ukraine is feeling like they need some kind of inspiration. Um, and that is apart from something that's historically inspiring or any kind of art or information. And I think people are really craving kind of listening to personal stories. And that's kind of what we do really well on here is when we connect to people, guests, or even ourselves on a personal level. And I thought, you know, I was asking myself the question, who am I or who who am I now? But who was I as a Ukrainian woman, a Ukrainian girl years ago? And it's a very, those are, I have a different answer for, for both. Um, and I thought it would be a really good topic for all of us to discuss because we all evolve as human beings, but especially being Ukrainians, our identities have shifted in a very monumental way. And, and these are things that sometimes people don't understand, like what our insides are like as Ukrainians who still have family in Ukraine, who have this kind of visceral connection to who we are and why we get emotional, why we get very fiercely proud, why we are reactive right now. And I think having people understand that would be really interesting. And, you know, we connect to guests mm -hmm. all the time on this kind of stuff, but what about us? Who, who were we and how is that different to who we are now? Um, you know, That's I thought really interesting yeah. usually usually i'm the diplomatic one i think it's a very diplomatic way of saying like oh here's the stupid shit i thought about ukraine <laughs> and i don't yeah. think that anymore <laughs> and here's why we're working on a new season it's already in production and we're going to be releasing information what it is about and how it look like in the in, in coming days and weeks however this is an arc topic for the new season in general on decolonization and how we how, who we are how we ended up here but in recent days and recent weeks i think also a bit frustrating thing that you know ukrainians are being asked and put to these impossible um standards of you know that we must make the most ethical decisions and say the most right stuff and be always on uh, you know absolutely right moral having moral stance and informed stance on anything while people are surviving genocide and i think it's uh it's not only sometimes unfair but also people don't understand how much work ukrainians do 
daily on themselves yeah. and how much you know even weird and stupid or uh maybe not informed uh stuff they would say even a year ago or two years ago about themselves and thought about their own country that it's not true anymore so i think uh, this is a perfect timing to dwell maybe on one that thing that where we're super embarrassed we thought that was true it turned out not to be true it turned out to be um a lie or you know some remnant of colonial propaganda or whatever that we are comfortable to share and own it and explain why we don't think that anymore what do you think guys Solomia, do you want to have the honor to start yes um um i grew up in um western ukraine Lviv oblast small town and i haven't really i haven't lived in a like a city a big city until we moved we like immigrated to new york um so growing up all i knew was my small town and like you know everything who's around me and like the media and things like that and so my big belief that's changed is that ukrainians all look the same and are all are the same right so they're all like me um and that's that's basically you know what we've seen on tv for i i can't say about tv now much but you know growing up in like the early to mid 2000s and um that was that was a pretty big thing also like in history classes and things like that um I remember being very surprised later on as I've got gotten in, uh, access to the internet and um just like doing my own kind of little bits of research um that there were all kinds of people living on territory of Ukraine. Yeah, I think that was you know by by way of youth and childhood and just the the things that I guess I've been thought and different taught and different influences. I had no idea. And it, it was a very it was a it was a a good thing to to realize that Ukrainians come in, you know, all shapes and sizes and all kinds of identities and all variations, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's like it's not uh, before right before the full scale invasion, I think maybe several years before I saw this um statistics that actually the majority prevalent majority of Ukrainians have never uh, not only never traveled abroad they never traveled outside their own region so yes. they've never like seen anything like people living in Lviv would not see Kharkiv people in Kharkiv would never see like uh you know Vinnytsia or Odessa and you know I was traveling a lot with my father as I was a kid because he was a truck driver. So I would be always like, you know, fascinated that people look differently in the world from like East and the South. And there are like so many various, um, various, as you said, um, different Ukrainians, but even I would be like, you know, conditioned to think like, okay, if person doesn't look like me, like and they say they're Ukrainian and you say like what they say in the states yeah but where are you really from yeah where are you really coming from you know it's like yeah from like I don't know from Chicago no but really where are you coming from so I think but this where is were a, you born I think I can go next if you don't mind because I really want to bring this cringe fest to the front 
I uh, have, I mean, I have been a public person journalist for like a while. So there's a backlog of stuff on the internet that you can Google and find and the stuff that I wrote and the stuff that I said. Um, as uh, in op-ed pieces and stuff like that, not not much that I'm really super embarrassed about, but some of stuff I really cringe out over today. And one of the st stuff is I like to bring very often is something that I wrote in um, 2015. So it was like uh, a year into Ukrainian uh, the uh, the invasion of Russia of Ukraine. Uh, just a year after the Maidan revolution, I want to just like to have a quick quote first, so you you know properly cringe. So the it was opinion piece for the Reuters, you know the news agency that is unfortunately well known for Ukrainophobic biases. Um, and I wrote an op-ed piece for it that was titled "No, the Russian military occupation of Ukraine is not on the table." So the most cringe. Um, part of it you know it's, it's all very bad but one uh, part that right now is really um um is really uncomfortable to read even for me because it's so dumb and stupid and i will explain why i wrote it as well at the same time solving the problem is a lot more complex than simply providing ukraine with weapons the country is ravaged by corruption and its political system and economy is in shambles any military support would have to be conditional upon effective reforms. Without that, arming Ukraine would be responsible. It would be no different to giving a gun to a crook. Ew, this is so cringe. Guilty. <laughs> but, but it's okay to have said that because every country has its problems. It doesn't mean we should... I, but I it's not okay. It's like dumb. It was very dumb. It was like the dumbest thing, but important context to it. Why it was like, why it was like that. First of all, indeed, partially I thought this way, honestly. So I, you know, whatever I wrote in my life, I never wrote anything that I didn't think and was disgenuous. So yeah, I, I take full responsibility of really thinking that. On the other hand, you know, wording is in this way, a harsh way, was also a result of the my desire to be published by Western pub, uh, outlet and working with clearly Ukrainophobic editor who would like you know bend me towards um, taking harsher stances, less nuanced. And as a young journalist, for me, it was important to be published. It was important to be. Um, you know, validated, accepted uh, in uh, in a Western market as a Ukrainian journalist, and it was important for me to uh, get money and so sustain myself as well. So, of course, on one hand, this this dynamic, very toxic dynamic, that it was there, that you know allowed me to accept all these um, directions and edits that I would you know probably avoid if I if it was like one hundred percent honest text. On the other hand, I clearly thought that way about Ukraine in many respects because I had this um, blaming the victim mentality, blaming myself for everything that is wrong with the country. That is very kind of popular, I think, um, 
fallout from colonial trauma when you blame you don't blame you don't think about abuser but you always think like okay yeah whatever shit is happening we're the ones to blame we have their own our own mess like stop blaming the abuser stop blaming for everything and i think that was like a mind thing that i had well into i think maybe 2017 or 18 partially honestly thinking that you know if we clean our own act and ukraine did have problems with corruption it still has and you know there's a lot of uh, stuff that needs to be fixed but For just the perspective yeah absolutely but the perspective that this is the problem and not someone's trying to kill you and abuse you this was like the most biggest uh, distortion misconception that is clear case of colonized mind that's for sure yeah and I think it also comes though from like which I think is a good thing from our drive to make our society better like we are so focused on on our own society and and the problems that we see in it and the fact that we want to deal with them and the fact that we want to change them that I think, which is a really good skill for building a democratic state that has just, you know, kind of regained independence. Um, but at the same time, it obviously makes you kind of not forget, but overlook a little bit the outside forces as well in this equation. Um, and as you say, like, for some reason, it's 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 always it always feels like it's, you know, as you said, our responsibility to deal with our own issues and our own problems when sometimes potentially it's worth spending more time looking at outside factors and my kind of cringe moment and which is the reason that Maxim and I wanted to record this episode as well is that I opened my master's dissertation um, recently and basically I did a master's at uh, King's College London in war studies and Partially, I wanted to do it because, you know, it was it was actually 2015. So one year after the full scale invasion began and I, I wanted to understand and know more about war and and sort of why it happens and what the consequences of it are. And so I wrote a dissertation again, looking inward um, into Ukraine about how um making language a matter of national security will lead to more division that will make it impossible to build peace in the long run and basically in it i analyzed speeches of you know people in power in ukraine to see how language was combined with words like bullets and you know a word is a bullet into your soul or whatever that was a bad example um and I think, again, some of it, of course, was important and is important and will be important. Um, but I think the reason I chose it is is this topic and the reason why I focused on it, which I probably wouldn't do now, is that as a as a person who grew up in a you know Russian speaking family, um I never thought that speaking a certain language was a problem. For me, it wasn't. So basically, I never identified as anything other than Ukrainian ever in my entire life. And I was always quite patriotically Ukrainian. Um, I was always quite anti-Russian. 
And for some reason, because of my background and growing up speaking Russian, these things in my head coexisted. Like it was okay to speak Russian and still be super patriotically Ukrainian. And it actually pissed me off a lot of the time when people used the language that I spoke as a, an example of me being less Ukrainian or less patriotic. And I think only now do I come to a realization that really language is extremely important as and the language that we speak and speaking our own language is like an extremely important act of resistance um, that probably back then didn't quite land in my head the way that it does now when unfortunately our country is experiencing a direct existential threat. Um, and I think for me, looking back at it now, I wish I spent more time and resources looking at, say, Russian disinformation and the way that Russia, you know, actively tries to use the topic of language to make these divisions within Ukrainian society more prominent. And I, I, I looking back at it now, it, it just shows how also our own identity and our own kind of stories have an impact on the work that we do throughout our life right like for me language was in my head not a problem because it didn't make me less ukrainian russia is using this ex excuse that russian-speaking ukrainians are protecting russian-speaking ukrainians i'm a russian-speaking ukrainian and i'm not fucking russian i am ukrainian and like just to kind of discounter that whole narrative which is why i think i got myself into this trap of like looking inwards um i wouldn't do that now and i think that looking back at it and talking about it and talking about also like explaining the colonial legacy that Ukraine has had to deal with is so important, is way more important than than like as, as a way to explain why certain processes in Ukraine happen and why certain language is used and why language is an important topic than, you know, just going at it at, at a, quite a surface level. So that's kind of absolutely my cringe. Moment. But you know, I, when you shared that text with me, my like because like whatever happened, I wasn't like paying too much attention to the context and I misread stuff like that. And when I read it, I was like, "This is written by someone else. Like it cannot be that it's you wrote it. It's like there's something something is off about it." And I. And now, like, I also realize, like, how great that these, like, I mean, these these are embarrassing things, but also I think there are, like, you know, small monuments to who, to, to the, to, to identities that we had, like, who we were. And now you can read through it and understand that we're not those people anymore, but we're, you know, something totally else. But yeah, it was like absolutely bizarre. I couldn't believe that it was written by you in any way <laughs> until like I understood that it was written a long time ago. Yeah. So, yeah. It was very academically uh, beautifully written, but unfortunately the content was a bit messed up. And um, just on the point that you made earlier as well, like the context of it is like the context of academia as well is also super important in understanding why we choose what we choose 
to write about and why we think that being critical towards yourself sometimes is the best way forward, which it is sometimes, but anyway, sorry. You mean, you mean like maybe also like trying to fit or trying to like fit the narratives that, you know, are popular in the West or self-critical narratives, but this is well, what like you, it's, it's, no, it's, it's also, also happened. I think it's also this colonial kind of like when you're in Western education, it's like this colonial outlook that you want to be almost like you see you feel like you're above the general discussions uh. and you know better and you can like you know analyze things with a more kind of removed way and be more objective and and not take into consideration your own stories and backgrounds and biases and embrace them and understand them and work through them you know yeah I think I I wonder if it's because also historically I think it was just easier for people to fit in. I certainly felt like that. I certainly felt like I would just ignore certain things in order to make it an easier life. I think Ukrainians have been apologetic for a very long time. And it it like it would it would be much easier to internalize frustration and then on the outside go okay well you know i'll present it this way so as not to be some kind of complicated target for people you know Tatiana, your I mean, cringe moment. I was, I, Go ahead. <laughs> that was, well, that's part of it. Part of it was the fact that, and you know, you know me very well. You know that I am not an apologetic person. Like I'm a very loud, reactive person. But most of my life, I felt like, even though I was a proud Ukrainian and I was, I was born to immigrants, I'm in the diaspora and in New York, that is a very big Ukrainian community, but out like most of the time, the reactions to my Ukrainianness was pigeonholing me in a certain way, like, oh, you're Russian, basically. And you're and I was conditioned to believe. So I believed that Ukrainians had no agency. They were very quiet and they kind of like were very lenient and it, we weren't multicultural. We all look the same. We all are homogenized into like one thing as like Ukrainians. So I I, I believed, like, I think my, <laughs> I had lots of cringy moments and I think it was when like two things, I was having a conversation with somebody and I and I think it was right before Maidan happened and it kind of lingered for a while. But I believed a, f a first thing was, sorry, in high school, I thought Russian was really I should learn it. So <laughs> it 
why. I don't know why. I think it was because, okay, well, Russia, Russia is really powerful, right? And and they have this storied golden kind of history. So I'm going to learn Russian. I think it's beneficial. So I actually took a college course when I was in high school for extra credit. I took Russian. I studied Russian. I can still speak like I can still speak it conversationally. Why? <laughs> Literally useless. <laughs> but I did that. And then so that was my one one of my cringiest moments is because I felt like being Ukrainian wasn't good enough in this weird way. And I am so annoyed at myself that I ever felt like that because I feel wildly different. And I think it was right before my dawn, I was having a conversation with somebody and I justified Khrushchev giving Krim away. I was like, well, you know, like he he gave it as a gift. So why are we trying to like claw it back? It was a done. Now I'm like, what the fuck? You know, it was so such a moronic take. And I think it was because it was the popular narrative at the time for slightly older generation Ukrainians. Even my parents, I'm not even going to get into what my parents think, but I was not talking to young Ukrainians. I was talking to a lot of older ones. So I started thinking, yeah, I mean, makes sense. Why are we fighting to get it back? Why can't we just kind of leave it well enough alone? And then I started working for Frontline and then my done happened. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's not okay. Um, so I am, you know, you look back and you realize that these are all lessons that you learn from as an adult. What you know, cringy moments are supposed to happen as humans evolve. Like we all have, we all do stupid shit, you know, um, we say stupid shit. And some of it is now on the internet because God bless the internet. So I think what means something is that we can actually take accountability, which is really difficult sometimes because you think, God, I really disappointed the person I am then, I was then, disappointed me, disappointed the person I am now. And, you know, you kind of have to look at it with a kind eye and kind of go, you know what, a lot of Ukrainians had the same thing, you know, they were dealing probably with the same thing. And I think it's opening up this discussion, which is super helpful. Like, and it allows people to go, yeah, I was a different person back then, but you know what matters is what I learned and who I am now. I think if like literally if you're the same person you were five years ago and you think the same things and you mm -hmm. haven't developed you're just a shitty person like if you're not learning anything from the outside world from your own decisions from life like you know everything we do in life the whole point of it is to learn right like that's how you know we've always been I don't know in my family I've always been told to deal with my own problems on my own like in school I remember in like I don't know, sixth grade going to 
my dad and being like, you know, there's this problem at school and, you know, this teacher is doing this or whatever. And I just remember him being like, yeah, go sort it out, you know, learn from however you sort it out, learn from your mistakes and become a better person. Because if you're not reflecting on how you were and if you're not growing from your experiences, this sounds super cringe as well, by the way. But like, you're just not a good person. If you if you keep making mistakes and not changing, or if you keep doing the same thing and not changing, then what, like, what kind of person are you? What's the point? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remembered, well, first uh, Valeria when she was talking about her thesis and then uh, Tatiana about uh, taking high school classes. I, this is like, I blocked out that information. <laughs> I don't remember it unless, unless like someone reminds me that, um, so this is Ukraine, sixth grade. This is like around 2009, 10, I, I don't know. Um, and this was after I spent a year in the U.S. So I went to school here for a year and I was like, I want to go back. I don't want to be here. So we went back and so and I started at my old class again. Um, and we had uh, so in Ukraine, we have world literature classes. And so that teacher, I think during the Soviet Union times, uh, she was um, teaching Russian, I believe, um, because she was like, what if I made um and like an extra class of like teaching Russian that would start and like or like before school so it would start at like seven like regular classes would start at like eight something and so this was started like seven um and we were like yeah great idea <laughs> and it, it would come toward not toward nothing you wouldn't get a grade you wouldn't it would like not be anywhere so it's not like an like an official extracurricular and we did this for a whole semester of just like us 12 year old kids learning Russian for some god forsaken reason I don't even know why um I've never spoken Russian in my entire life until I was in New York actually and met Russian speaking people it was it was insane I, I remember it now and I'm like why was I sitting there at like six seven in the morning reading Russian literature it awful <laughs> and then when I was in university here in the U.S. I never stepped foot in a Russian language department ever four years I I like couldn't do it it was like a separate building and I remember and so many like um Russo, I mean we all know the Russophilic um attitudes of a lot of people here and I I couldn't do it I, I never took one class I never engaged with the professors I just it was it was cringe. I, 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 yeah, that was what a memory. <laughs> yeah, but I think, but to be honest, like the fact that we still have these memories and we're learning from them is kind of like a really good example of the fact that this is all a process for us as well. And like as people who have been living in a country that has been colonized and sort of you know our minds have been colonized our lives have been colonized our land has been colonized it's like it's obviously going to be a process to undo a lot of those things because you know colonial empires they're yes of course they want to control 
very physical things like land and resources and whatever but the main way of controlling that the easiest for them way of controlling that is to control our minds and what we think about ourselves and our place in this world realizing that and having these conversations with each other um is super important i also hope that people who are listening to us our patrons and everyone else that you will um take to this conversation kindly and um appreciate the kind of rawness of how hard it is for us to talk about these things and how much we're cringing um as we read them or remember them um it's quite tough for us to do now um i think and i yeah just super grateful to everyone who is listening um as always super grateful to our patrons for sponsoring us and and funding the work that we're doing um we are going to have season 4 season 4 oh my god so many seasons that i keep getting confused about how many we've had but um we are working on season 4 just so you know um and coming up with something special for you um i won't give away too much but um we're hoping to focus season 4 a little bit more on our memories of ourselves and the process of um how we got to where we are today so uh thank you so much to everyone thank you so much to titana and solomia first and foremost for keeping um you know our patron community engaged for keeping um our episodes in in front of our audience um and of course to maxim for always being there uh, for all of us and for inspiring us to have these conversations as well because i don't think i would have done it without an extra push to be open about it because that's the only way for us to deal with ourselves as well so thank you everyone and um we'll see you hopefully soon uh when we launch season four. Slava Ukraini. Herom Slava. Slava. Herom Slava.